0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Back to Trucker Podcast. I'm James Bowen, a.k.a. The Rooster. I'm here with Justin Martin, a.k.a. The Super Trucker. Yeah, we are here. We have a very special guest with us today. Uh, Kind of some breaking news, but we got to, you know, kind of keep this under wraps for a little bit. But before we get started, I want to thank OTR Solutions for powering this podcast. They're factoring platforms and solutions have taken supporting trucking companies to a whole new level. I could do a whole podcast and everything these guys bring to the table. And yes, we are about to. And the success stories that have come from working with them. But now let's head on over to otrsolutions.com slash BTU to learn more, connect with our dedicated BTU team and get your company set up right to start. Justin, last few weeks, we have covered strike after strike after strike. We covered the ports of LA Long Beach. We've covered Oakland. we covered the port at Houston. The HUD driver striking there, which mainstream media kind of let that slide, you know. I don't know why, but uh, apparently the, the string of strikes is continuing. And we have a gentleman with us that is a uh, pretty well versed in uh, the knowledge of unions, and that a uh, that new word I've had to learn, monopsony. You know, I, I, we all That's hear my monopoly. <laughs> yeah, we all hear
1: Monopoly, they made a board game over it, but what is a monopsony, Justin? A monopsony is who has the sole ownership of what's, being, of what's being sold to. If you're a worker and you're trying to join a union, the union is a monopsony. They're the only person that you can sell your labor to, other than your employer, so to speak, if that makes sense.
0: So, our guest today is Billy from Truckers Moving to Justice. Mr. Billy, would you kindly introduce yourself to the public?
2: I'm Billy J. Randall, a trucker. An organizer with TMJ, Truckers for Justice, and one of the co founders of Truckers for Justice. I'm an over the road trucker with about 30 years in the industry. I've run all areas of the industry. I started out running agricultural products the original hotshot way. Um, I've done local, regional, and now over the road. I've run tankers, dry freight, expedite. Yeah, that-
0: <laughs> yeah I mean, uh- The last few weeks, we've all heard this, uh, heard everything going on with the ports, you know, how port workers are treated, you know, uh, 30 cent a mile, $80 a turn, you know, a trucker minimum wage, basically, you know, and uh, you had this crazy thing come through California known as Assembly Bill 5 that basically forced uh, drivers like I was for Landstar, a lease operator who was leasing his tags and buying insurance through the carrier and couldn't work for anybody else but the carrier but they said you had freedom of choice, but you had to use their choice board. So now we have, you know, uh, the mega carriers moving into the ports, you know, setting up shop calls. you go, know, guess what? AB5 is forcing all the, the truck drivers to have to work for the companies at the W2. You can't be a 1099 anymore providing the same service as the company you work for. So, uh, so that did not sit well with a lot of people. As you know, we had the... This strike over at LA Long Beach there, you know, it started, I believe it started at Port LA and then moved up to Long Beach. Then it moved up to Port of Oakland where it lasted, I believe seven or eight days. And while that was going on, nobody reported on it, but the HUD drivers over at Port of Houston, they struck basically because HUD who's owned by Marisk was not talking with them. They weren't negotiating. They were being underpaid. I mean, like I said, trucker minimum wage for everybody. And so, you know, back the truck up, freight waves were the only person really to cover that story. And, uh, you know, last week we had uh, Richie on doing the podcast and I got to know him, talked with him. And a couple of days ago, he's like, hey, I got a friend I want you to talk to. And he might have something to, very important to say. So that brings us to the, today with uh, Mr. Billy here.
2: Strikers. Who we have tried to make contact with in solidarity and been unsuccessful um, should be advised. Should be- should know, we addressed a letter to Sean Dunn, the CEO for HUD, and we sent out a request to our allies in Longshore on all three coasts and to the rail workers, requesting letters of solidarity be sent to the same person, indicating negotiation was topic, Um, we stand ready with anybody that hears this podcast or any of your other podcasts to support the HUD Strikers in any way they feel is necessary. Truckers Movement for Justice is a grassroots rank-and-file labor organization of company drivers and owner-ops across the industry. You raised the issue of AB5. There are alternatives to AB5. And right now, our membership in we're on the West Coast is working on just such issues regarding AB5 and its effect on drivers. Um, the illegal leases that the industry has forced upon truckers over the last 40 years has led to the downward spiral in working conditions, all right, to make truck drivers need a little more and sharecroppers on wheels. That term was coined on May 1st, 2007, at a press conference at the opening of a trucker's center in Elizabeth, New Jersey, um, backed by the Industrial Workers of the World at the time, um, which was the linear ancestor to truckers' movement for justice. Failed organizing drives from 07 to 09, along the east coast truckers Movement for justice was born during the out of those failed organizing campaigns um but that's past history let's go forward august the 10th in the port of baltimore truck drivers will strike against ports of america the largest marine terminal operator in north america owned and operated by the Canadian federal government through the Canadian Pension Plan Investment Board. Ironically, Uh. an investment board that is made up of beneficiaries who are working people. The money that they will enjoy in their retirement is coming from robbing truck drivers across North America of all hours worked, all hours paid. The strike is designed with two demands, a process to handle grievances within the terminals by between management and drivers over working rules and conditions, and the demand to end unpaid hours that drivers spend every single day across the country at shippers and receivers like Ports of America, APM, which is a a Maersk operation, and all of the other global conglomerates that exist in the industry. The strike will last one to two days. It will be designed to send a message to the industry. We're not going to take it anymore. We've had enough, and we're going to fight. The strike is the first in a series of rolling strikes that will go across the country, beginning on the Atlantic coast, moving to the Gulf, and then to the West Coast, targeting any facility operated by Ports of America until they come to the table and reach a collective agreement voted on by rank-and-file drivers to meet the demands of rank-and-file drivers. It will also include in several of their, a number of their terminals, the demand to place Good, clean restroom facilities for the use by truck drivers, which in the case of their PNCT terminal in the port of Newark, there are
1: none. I used to work at the Packer terminal in Philly for a couple months when I first moved out here. And even out there, you know, they got a restroom you can use.
2: That is a rampant problem. And one of our members single-handedly had introduced and pushed through the Washington State Legislature, at the very end of this year, the beginning, very end of last year, into this year, a law specifically designed at the terminal operators to force them to provide restroom facilities, not port potties legitimate restroom facilities with hot and cold running water for truck drivers in marine terminals. He was successful. Brother Ryan Johnson, we salute you. In the Port of New York and New Jersey... With the efforts of Par 18 rank-and-file drivers who are affiliated with Truckers for Justice, we forced APM and, I believe, MaR Terminal to do the same thing. We still have two more terminals to take down, Ports of America's and GCT, which also is owned by a Canadian public employees pension fund, the Canadian, teacher, the Ontario Teachers' Pension. We won't stop, and you can't stop us, because we're more we're a dream and an idea and a vision. We believe every one of us strongly. We're not the ones doing this. There's no way we we have no money. We're just a bunch of truck drivers. We're followed by the hand of the creator. Well, all we have to do is follow his lead and we'll win and we will win because we have law on our side. The industry has violated every federal law it can think of. The leases are a violation of Department of Labor and Department of Transportation rules and regs. But the feds are afraid of the industry. We're not.
1: So if I'm a driver working at these other ports, how are they keeping in touch with all these plans in motion?
2: Text message, email, word of mouth. We organize one driver at a time. We build one person at a time. We have membership base in more than 24 states now. Soon it will be all, all 48 continental states, and hopefully we get Alaska and Hawaii too. We also have drivers in Mexico and Canada that are watching TMJ very closely and have expressed solidarity with us. We're also allied very strongly with Longshore on the eastern Gulf and building solidarity with Longshore on the west coast and with rank-and-file rail workers across the country.
1: That's interesting to me because how are you, relationships like that? Because when I was at the Packer Terminal, you would never have been able to get the truck drivers and the Longshore guys to ever get along. Like, it's cats and dogs over there. Is it different at, is it, if it's different at other terminals?
2: No, it's the same at every terminal. Why? Because we're dealing with industry that is very, very good at what they do. What do they do? These are faceless people. No one knows who they are that run the terminals or run shippers and receivers locations. All you see is the rank and file worker, the warehouse worker, the high-low operator, um, the check-in clerk, the crane operator. Um, that's who you see. So when you're delayed, who do you attack? Them. Divide and conquer, brothers and sisters. An age-old classic tactic by bosses and power structure everywhere. Divide and conquer. Hide yourself. Before Ports of America was sold to the Canadian federal government through its pension plan, it was owned by one of the largest hedge funds in the world, a secret hedge fund that no one knew much about, controlled by 40 people. Who knows who these people are?
1: I was just about to ask you, you don't know who they are? (laughs) Oh, I
2: I found out who they were. And just as we were about to attack in the winter, um, news came through our brothers and sisters in the ILA, Billy, Ports of America was just sold. So now we turn our attention northward again to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his government, Ports of America's CEO, Mark Montgomery. And we say to both of you, hear the words. Feel the wind blowing. A storm is about to touch down in Mid-Atlantic, Unlike any other that has ever been seen, and it will not stop. And once it touches land, it will empower. You can run, but you can't hide. We you know where you are. The brave drivers of Secret Terminal are the ones responsible for the resurgence of organizing across the country by truckers. We salute them. We stand with them. We believe strongly in this movement of an old doctrine among working people. An injury to one is an injury to all. And my brother Hollywood, who's not on with us, co-founder of TMJ with me, he'll cringe now because he knows what's coming. We have a strong belief in our movement. You touch one of our members, you touch one of our organizations, and we'll unleash a hell on you've never seen before. If you don't believe us, do it, find out. We don't play nice.
0: Billy, have you got an estimate of how many drivers are going to be taking part in the strike at uh, Port of Baltimore?
2: I do, but I can't say that publicly. They'll be—Port of Baltimore is a small port. It's also PA's um, most profitable terminal for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is they've cut to the bone the workforce on the docks, and they buy brand-new equipment with federal money, taxpayers' money, and then leave it sit there. Um I would say there's probably um, last statement I heard was there's approximately 400 drivers that work the port. I'll say we'll have a substantial representation of those drivers. Many of the drivers are afraid, rightfully so. The threats have already been issued against carriers who have expressed support for the drivers. You're making a wrong decision, was told to a dispatcher, by saying you'll be on the picket line with the drivers.
1: Are they paying attention to what's happening out west and either trying to mimic what's happening or?
2: The protests on the west coast were the puppet masters, the industry big shots, pulling the strings of small carriers with a campaign of misinformation and fear tactics to scare drivers into thinking they can lose everything. We have addressed a letter to the commissioner of labor, to the governor, to the legislature, legislative leaders of both parties requesting clarification and asking for a series of town hall meetings throughout the state of California for drivers and other ICs that are affected by the implementation of the law. We have also said in the email that we would like to put together concrete proposals to amend the law so that the design of the law, which was to stop the downward spiral and exploitation of falsely, document, falsely labeled independent contractors, including truck drivers, um, and make it work to benefit the very people it's designed to benefit. Our drivers on the West Coast are very enthusiastic about it. In fact, one of them was on the strike committee meeting in Baltimore last night um, to hear, to prepare for their, for their time when it comes. Um, The drivers in California are afraid, and why wouldn't they be? A driver saves up money to buy a $40,000 piece of equipment, go to work under somebody's DOT numbers, be exploited and robbed of the correct rate and fuel surcharge by that carrier, and now is being told you must become an employee of that very same carrier or another one, at what wage, you flood the labor market with 70,000 drivers, you will depress wages even more than it already is. That's the design of the law. All right. It was a wrong tactic by the people who pushed through the legislation and who identified it. Why? Because for 40 years, unions have tried to organize truckers with no message to them with no concrete creative ideas for how to organize our industry. Drivers want to be organized. We need it. We have no power. We are the bottom of the rung. We get stepped on by freight brokers, shippers, receivers, carriers, steamship lines, rail, rail carriers, by everyone. Brother Richie, who you mentioned earlier, when I first met him, when he asked me to come out of retirement a little more than a year ago, um, always says, we want a seat at the table. My response is always to everyone. We don't want to seat at the table. We'll sit at the head of the table. We're not sitting by the window. We're not sitting along the wall. We're not sitting at the sides of the table. We'll sit at the head of the table. We'll tell you what we want, and we'll give you a date when we want it done. If not, we'll enforce our demands through collective action, direct action, legal, and otherwise and we have the allies needed to do it because we built solidarity and all we are is a bunch of a bunch of outlaws with a vision with a dream we want a better life not for ourselves not for tomorrow for all the generations to come a sustainable industry built on justice for rank and file working people truck drivers longshore and rail that's who we are and that's who our allies are
1: You had an interesting point earlier with the 70,000 driver number. A lot of people that are are in favor of AB5, you know, they always say that independent contractors under the lease operator model are misclassified uh, as independent contractors. I 100% agree with that. I'm not a fan of the lease operator model. It needs to go. But you can't just flood 70,000 people into a workforce and not expect wages to crash to the floor.
2: Totally agree with you, which is what our membership in Cali and on the West Coast is going to fight about. That's the big issue there, all right? You're flooding the market just like the Biden-Harris apprenticeship program. You're flooding the market. You're putting cannon fodder to the mega carriers to further drive down wages over the road. Wages that are $750 a week for a driver that's out three weeks and then comes home for a 34-hour reset. Who the hell are you kidding? Excuse my language, all right? Hey,
0: hey, don't worry about it. We got this little button that says explicit. If you got to go, you got (laughs) to (laughs) go.
2: Works for me. I'm passionate. I apologize (laughs) if my passion comes through with words that are not supposed to be used on a broadcast, but I've done a lot of broadcasts in my life, and sometimes the words do come out, but I do apologize to your audience.
1: Right. Well okay, uh, let's let's even let's even be generous to the carriers. They have ads that'll say twelve hundred dollars minimum guaranteed. Well guess what? If you're working seventy hours a week, that's seventeen fourteen an hour.
2: Thank you. That's a wage that was decent.
1: Hang on, let me add something to this. Let me add something
0: to this. They'll say twelve hundred guaranteed. That's before taxes. That's before benefits. That's before everything.
1: And that's if you're under a load. Yeah. Yeah, they'll have all kinds of stipulations to that quote-unquote guarantee. And if nine out of ten of them are hit and you miss one, that guarantee goes out the window.
2: I thank you both for that statement. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> it's it's like the $10,000 sign-on bonus. <laughs> all right. Oh, I oh had yeah. an interview last year with somebody that asked me about that, and I said, I'll tell you what. You find me somebody that got that ten grand, and you and I are going on the talk shows. We're going to make a whole lot of money.
1: That's actually. I was listening to the exact interview the other day. Um, it was actually very good. It was um,
2: American Workforce Radio.
1: Yes, thank you. It, it was I a very. It was an excellent interview, and you you had mentioned the twelve hundred dollar a week guarantee. Yes. And I'm sitting there like just doing the math in my head, and I mean seventeen fifteen an hour is nothing. I mean, you got places now that are hiring at 20, 25 an hour to, to work jobs that don't require any skills whatsoever. They'll train you to do whatever they need. You know, truck drivers, you need, you know, weeks and months of training. You're, you're carrying millions of dollars worth of cargo. You can, you can kill anyone on the road by not paying attention, to, you know, the entire time you're behind the wheel. And they want to pay you fractionally more than the minimum that most of the people, people are paying right now.
2: For the ATA to publicly admit that the average wage for a truck driver is forty-three thousand dollars a year, and I remember a few years ago they admitted it was thirty-five. When the average wage for workers in this country is fifty, man, you know it's less than forty-three. If they're admitting themselves, because they will, ne- they'll always increase it, and they can't even increase it to where it's above the median average. It's a joke. It's a yeah.
1: farce. Well, if it's you're saying extreme. that's the average, that means half the people out there are making less than that.
2: Right. Half are making 20, half are making 60. All right. So guess what? Blow smoke, and, blow smoke at the mirror to somebody else. I'm a rank-and-file OTR trucker, all right, for a small carrier based in South Carolina, all right? I know what it is. I'm almost out of hours now, and I still haven't made my drop in Illinois, all right? And then I have to go up to Joliet and lay over until Monday. On my reset, all right, 60, 55, 65 hours a week, $1,200? No way. Give us a break. Overtime for truckers after 40, all truckers, all right, OTR, local, every state. That's a demand. It's on the flyer, the organizing flyer TMJ hands out. And for our owner-operators, show us the freight bill. It's law and regs. We've had enough. You've been robbing us for for decades now. You're not going to give up the billions and billions of dollars you've stolen from truck drivers voluntarily, but we're going to get it.
1: Yeah, you had a a line that I really liked that was all hours paid for all hours worked.
2: All hours worked, all hours paid.
1: Yes, sir. I've worked and been paid by the mile, by the load, and by the hour. And I just anecdotally, I can attest that, yes, it it makes a difference when you're paid by the hour because... If you're sitting around and you're waiting to get loaded or unloaded, all that stress of, well, I'm not getting paid, I'm not getting paid, that that all goes out the window, you know. Um, So in the postal service, you're paid by the hour and it's time and a half after 40 and double time after 52 hours or if it's per day, it's time and a half after eight hours and double time after 10. Now, being that it's the postal service and they have a government-backed monopoly and they can spend pretty much indefinitely into a hole, obviously they have the power to do that. How you get companies to do that, I've got no idea. I think you'd have to really convince them to pass that cost onto the shippers and receivers that are holding up the drivers. And hopefully that kind of speed things along and, you know, mitigates the delays that you run into over the road but yeah as far as how drivers should be paid i'm 100 percent in favor of the uh, hourly pay model
2: i don't have a problem with by the load or by the mile none of us do but the point of it is is there has to be transparency if you're Mm -hmm. taking um a load from let's say chicago to charlotte um and you're being paid for that load there's got to be a pickup and a drop fee attached to that and we've advocated and advocate 150 dollars for the first hour at the shipper 150 to drop for the first hour more than that it goes up an additional amount um in the case of the marine terminals where the delayed times are more egregious than even at grocery locate grocery oh, yeah. <laughs> which is the which are one of the worst i mean you take a walmart or a Costco or one of those places, and man, you could sit there all night, all right, and you don't get paid. In the case of the Marine Terminal Operators, you're responsible. You're both the shipper and the receiver. There's another receiver on the other end for the box. Usually, that's a a drop-in hook, or it might not be. It could be a live load, uh, excuse me, live unload. But the Mm -hmm. point being is that the congestion is caused by greed in mismanagement. In the case of Ports of America, it's a secret terminal. Drivers can wait up to six hours. They do not get paid. Some of the carriers do try to bill for detention after two hours, quote-unquote, the industry norm. Bullshit. Excuse my language again. Um, And give the drivers some of that pay. But you know what the carriers tell us? We bill them. They don't pay it they ignore us. Why? Because they've got the power over the carriers. They can kick a carrier out and the carrier can lose everything, which is even more than what a single owner can lose if they're banned unilaterally. You have no recourse. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's, that's something I've always worried about because, you know, how do you enforce, you know, passing the costs on to these guys without, like you said, getting, getting kicked out? Is there a way you can try and get carriers to come together to say, hey, you know, we're sick and tired of you guys bullying us around. Things are getting to a point where, like, we all need to figure this stuff out.
2: That's exactly what we advocate. The battle over detention is not against the carriers. It is against the shippers and receivers and the marine terminal operators. All right. Like Ports of America. They're the ones whose greed has cost us the congestion issue in the supply chain. Why? Because, see, they don't have to pay truck drivers. So why do they have to worry? But you do have to pay rail workers. You do have to pay longshore workers. So we don't have enough longshore workers on the docks in the Port of Baltimore to load the trucks for the volume of cargo coming in. So who do we foist the issue on for congestion? The stupid truck drivers. Why? Because out of everyone in the supply chain, we're the only ones unorganized. Not anymore.
0: Yeah, I was actually uh, last night watching a video by a friend of ours, Sal Mercogliano. He's a maritime history expert, and he did a video on the situation with the merchant mariners. You know, they're badly understaffed on those boats, you know, to the the points that, you know, they can't actually cycle in and out properly getting their shore leave and all. And you can go to the government Merchant Marine website, you know, to sign up for employment, sign up for your training. And, you know, it's $30,000, dollars $50,000 sign on bonuses to get people to get on on the boats. But, the, the, you know, but there, there's already too much of a stigma in of how bad the conditions are in that Merchant Marine community that, you know, they're looking for other lines of work, you know, wanting to get on to the docks or get a, a government job, you know, laterally transition from Merchant Marine over to somewhere at the Navy Yard.
2: And that is exactly what the issue was when it was raised during this congestion in the supply chain last year. They said there wasn't enough truckers. Now now (laughs) there's not enough railroad workers. Why? When are you going to say why? Greed, mismanagement, rail carriers, trucking trucking carriers, marine terminal operators. We don't want your workers anymore because we have to pay you. So you cut them to the bone and you bring in robots, Uh, like robot trucks, robot crane operators. What about the jobs for our grandchildren? Where are our communities going to end up working minimum wage jobs at McDonald's? McDonald's workers are fighting for 15 and they're winning.
1: Well, a lot of the reason why they're winning is because they don't, like all these other industries, they don't have enough people willing to work exactly. for the wages that they're offering. Because you're so not enough people up. enough
2: to work to be able to live.
1: Well, and- we had Rachel Premack on the podcast last week and she's a journalist who covers the trucking industry. And something she mentioned is that the, the, the meme of the truck driver shortage has kind of gone away in her line of in, in her industry. And, you know, a year or two ago, all you would hear from companies covering this industry was that there was a truck driver shortage and all these truck drivers would would harp up and say, no, there's plenty of people out there. Even, even better. California is a really good example. There are more class a commercial driver's license holders in the state of California than there are job openings. The difference is that nobody that has a class a is willing to work the jobs for the wages that are being paid.
2: Thank you, brother. Sure you don't want to join TMJ? (laughs) Oh yeah, here's
1: the I was a member of the APWU and I was approached a couple of times by guys to try and run for office and I told them, Do not give me that ring of power, I will burn this place to the ground. (laughs) Well I'll tell you what, I'll just put you
2: out in the truck stops across the country and you can hand out flyers and bring in new members, you know. Let me tell you, this is family. We're family. All right. We're in the industry together. We're all battling for the same thing whether we're rail, longshore or truck drivers we're battling to hold on to and improve the future for the net, for generations to come
1: there's it's it's, whole... it's it's tough too because with the generational divide you know we were talking before we recorded um, you had a guy like Hoffa back in the day that organized the teamsters into the largest workers union the country has ever seen and over the decades since his disappearance, has kind of become just a shell of its former self. And there's nothing that has stepped in to take its place. And anytime you have workers' movements that try to mimic what he did or try to do what he does, they're just not as anywhere near as, as effective. And I don't know if it's a combination of poor leadership or just the... I don't want to call it brainwashing, but just the, the upbringing that kids... So I'm a, I'm a millennial. I'm, I'll be 39 this month. And I was raised down in South Florida. Unions really aren't a thing down there. If, if you're <laughs> a public sector... Yeah, if you're a public sector employee, you know you have a teacher's union, you have the police union. So you're, those guys are taken care of. But if you're just any other Joe Schmo working a job somewhere, you don't have anyone watching your back. And so it's very cutthroat and you're basically born and raised into the into the mentality of, well, if I don't like where I'm at, I really can't improve things here, so I'll quit and work somewhere else. So I've never worked anywhere more than two to four years. My longest stint at any job was at the Postal Service, and I was there for five years. And when I told them that I was leaving, people thought I was insane. Like They're like, nobody leaves the Postal Service. And I nobody said, well, I got there until got... they retire. <laughs> exactly. And you had that with Walmart, too, the Walmart truck drivers um i don't know off the top of my head if those guys are in a member or in a a union i think some are no but yeah no no walmart no well no no well okay so that's surprising to me sure i get that but why is it that a company like walmart you know as much as you hear how poorly they treat like their cashiers and the stock clerks and stuff why are the truck drivers so so well taken care of
2: the truck drivers at walmart have a history especially in california of fighting back. And they've been successful by filing lawsuits. In fact, truck drivers have been successful filing lawsuits, class action lawsuits, across the country over the last few decades and winning. The problem is that they were isolated cases that never had an organizational thrust. They were specifically designed at Prime or Walmart and in a case where TMJ put it together at Navajo Express in, in Denver, Colorado, which is still pending. Here, the difference is what we've done is build a movement, a movement that is based on ideas and creativity. And it's not hemmed in by some of the laws that force labor organizations of the traditional stripe to be extremely conservative in their approach for things.
1: Like AB5 Um, or something else? Like
2: AB5. All right. Um, Traditional unions, if they can't get traction in an organizing drive, they'll go to the political arena where because of their money um, and power that way, they can usually get tractions from politicians of any party. Um, That's not organizing. That's similar to organizing the boss. We don't organize the boss. We're organizing rank-and-file drivers. Give you the words of one of our brothers in Savannah, who's an owner-operator and has drivers with him. Billy, how the hell do I know if I'm paying my drivers correctly if I've never seen the freight bill? And I jumped up from the table and I said, you're right, you don't know. You're a victim, just like your drivers (laughs) are, because you've never seen a damn thing, because they won't show it to you, even though by law, by reg, they must in 2022, driver, that's that's,
1: an, that's inexcusable because we have e-documents and e-sign. You know, everyone's got a phone in their pocket. There's no reason why you wouldn't be able to get that paperwork immediately.
2: Exactly. That's our point. Our owner operators were on a meeting with our attorneys only this week regarding the freight bill issue. Our attorneys are looking into a class action lawsuit against the second largest brokerage firm, freight brokerage firm in the country, on behalf of our owner ops and all drivers. Because if one driver benefits, we all benefit, especially if it's used to organize. If we're successful, a copy of that lawsuit, once it's filed, will be spread across the country so the drivers can see. We've been beaten for 30 to 40 years. We're afraid, and yet we're rising up.
0: All right, gonna we'll take a quick little break to plug the sponsor here. Uh, If you haven't gone to otrsolutions.com slash BTU yet, here's your reminder. I'm not sure how to say it, but factoring with these guys makes sense. They're focused on driving your success and helping you grow your company. They've gone as far as offering custom company website email address setups, so you can better negotiate higher rates with brokers and actually uh, help you out with other things. Uh, There's so much opportunity out there, and OTR is your ticket, so head on over to otrsolutions.com slash BTU and check out their solutions. All right, let me ask you a question, Billy. Were you driving around the time when uh, deregulation hit the trucking industry?
2: I wasn't driving, but I remember it very well.
0: All right, well, uh, they asked the question. Do you think we need to go back to some f- more heavier regulation to try to get some of this uh, nonsense from the brokers and all back in control, or do you believe there's another solution for that?
2: I believe there is another solution, all right, because... After dereg took place, if you all remember, and judging by one of your ages, you wouldn't, because you weren't even born then. Um, <laughs> reregulation took place. But re-regulation over the decades has been re-regulation of the drivers to a large extent. Witness the ELD, the drug testing, mm-hmm. um, the sleep apnea stuff. There oh. other things, the hours of service. Um, let me say this. Enforcement is the issue. The regulations are there to protect drivers. The lack of knowledge of the regulations and the fear that the drivers have, owner ops and company drivers, to step forward, and the lack of enforcement from the Department of Transportation and the Department of Labor on issues that affect rank and file truck drivers is the issue. We've said to the feds, both at face to face meetings with DOT and DOL officials, including the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, enforcement, Enforcement. enforce your damn regs and the issues will go away. They won't. Why? Because they're afraid of the damned industry and the big shots in the industry, all right? They're afraid the industry is too big for them to take on. It's not. It must be taken down. This industry is so corrupt, it makes the mafia look like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. That's a joke. You've broken the supply chain. Wake up. You've broke it by greed and exploitation across the supply chain, whether it's an Amazon worker on Staten Island or Chicago or a Walmart worker in Bentonville, Arkansas, or a truck driver in Moline, Illinois, or a rail worker in Fort Madison, Iowa, or a longshoreman from L.A. Long Beach or Charleston, South Carolina. You have broken the supply chain from greed and mismanagement, and you lump it on the backs of the rank-and-file workers who do all the work because you're faceless and nameless. We don't know your names. Well, we know some of you, and we'll find out the rest of yours soon. The BNSF rail line, one of the largest rail carriers in the country, has instituted a attendance policy for rail workers under their corporation. By the way, that corporation is owned by Berkshire Hathaway, all right. One of the closely held largest corporations in the country, uh, which also owns Pilot and Flying J. Um,
0: J.B. Hunt, they, certain yeah, others. <laughs> there
2: you go. And that policy states rail workers will get one day off a month and they will not know when that day is. What the hell kind of working conditions are those? In the words of Brother U. Sawyer, a member of the rail workers unions, quality of life where's the quality of life in the supply chain there is none i'm in a truck stop now outside of bloomington illinois my drive drivers are all around me sitting they're taking their day off they're reset they're taking their 30 minute break where are their families where are their children where's daddy where's mommy oh mommy's in illinois daddy's in wyoming when is daddy coming home i don't know sweetheart
1: yeah entirely why i I got off the road
2: and this is the (laughs) issue The other issue raised by an ILA rank and file member in New Jersey, infrastructure. You reap the benefits of our taxpayer dollars on infrastructure bills like the one recently passed. And yet the infrastructure goes to buy cranes that sit idle because you won't hire enough longshore workers to run them or train them. The roads continue to crumble so that when I drive my truck down the road, I bang and bump all over the place till my neck hurts at night. We have no control and no power over these things. This is what our vision is, a dream to have control and power over these things that affect every day our lives of tens of millions of Americans and our communities as well. An old saying in the woods of North Carolina back in the day when the organizing drive was going on, what if we got that safety bonus from the paper mills for hauling pulpwood into them. What would it mean to us? It would mean that Big Dog or Tommy Haddock, may rest in peace, would go and buy a brand new tire from Joe's tire shop instead of a recap or a used tire. What would happen then is Joe would turn around and say to his wife and children, we can go out for dinner this weekend because Tommy came in and Big Dog came in. and They bought two brand new tires. The money we spend goes to our community to our neighbors the money they spend goes to wall street goes to luxury vacations in places we can't even pronounce the names of we don't we scrape and save to put our children through college they don't somebody said billy tone down your rhetoric it's not them against us it is us against them very different
1: well like a lot of these people that you or not people so much but like these uh Organizations or funds, hedge funds that you're mentioning, these are like people's retirements and stuff. You know, that's like like BlackRock and Blackwater. All yes. those, th- those are people's retirements. So how are you? How do you go against them without pissing off the people who have been paying into their retirement all these years? I mean, they're all, And I'm just, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. But like, if I've been paying into my retirement for 20 years and I'm trying to get decent returns on it, and all of a sudden I got these, you know, uppity truck drivers you know, that are going to be costing me money. You know, how do you square that round peg?
2: I would, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll answer that with a question. All right. What do you think a rank-and-file teacher in Ontario, Canada, who struggled all their life teaching children, very difficult job, I might add, and planning for retirement would say, if they were told the people that manage your retirement fund tell truck drivers they can't get paid for wait times for two hours to three hours. I have a feeling that person would wind up saying, I'm going to call my pension fund manager and say, this is not what we fought for when we were struggling during our working lives. I don't think rank-and-file workers whose pension funds are managed by these hedge funds would feel very good about the way the management of these hedge funds was treating other working people. See, I believe there's a solidarity among working people, a strong, and I've seen it over the decades, and I've seen it now. I've seen rail workers say, truck drivers, all hours worked, all hours paid. We salute you. I've seen longshore workers, including the leaders of the longshore units, say the same thing. Truck drivers need to be paid for their time wasted in the ports. We stand with you. I think that teacher in Ontario will stand with us too. And I think the beneficiaries of the Canadian Pension Plan Investment Board would also stand with us. If they knew, people don't know. They're going to know.
1: I certainly hope so. But, you know, people can get kind of squirrely when you start messing with their retirement, or even worse, their homes. There's, um, you know, nimbies out there, not in my backyard type people who Will are more than happy to deny building of housing in, in certain areas as long as it's protecting, you know, either the value of their home or the, the view out their backyard.
2: I agree with you on that, except that a lot of times you have to take into consideration that the lack of knowledge creates that environment. Um, oh, I don't want that in my backyard, as you say, I don't want that nursing home here, I don't really want old people coming around picking out of garbage cans because they don't have enough money to eat. Um, I have a feeling that if people were educated about what goes on, the real education, not from the mass media, but from other people that are faced with the issue, it would change things. I've noticed lately in the last several months, the issue of congestion and the collapse, the meltdown of the class one rail carriers has made a lot of news. Much similar to what happened last year in trucking. Um, It's because it's affecting people. Now, I was in a, um, where was I this morning? I think it was a Circle K. They had no cream. That's a rampant problem in the truck stops the last few months. Why? Are there no cows left? I go past cow fields every day. Too many of them because, you know, don't particularly like the smell of the cows. But, (laughs) you know, plenty of cows. Are the cows on strike. No, I don't think so. Are the farmers on strike? No, not to my knowledge. Although the farmers are having trouble shipping their product because the rail carriers don't have enough rail rail crews because they've cut the wages and working conditions so egregiously that no one wants to work for them. Similar to trucking, I believe, um, and longshore and shipping, as one of you brothers mentioned earlier. Um, where does it end? Or does it end? I say it ends. There's a saying that we use in TMJ by a very famous, heroic leader of the Civil Rights Movement, John Lewis, the late congressman from Georgia. If not us, who? If not now, when? We say it's us and it's now.
1: Well, speaking of congressmen, um, have you noticed that Mark Levin, I think what well, was a Mark.
2: Andy um, Levin.
1: Thank you, Andy, Andy Levin. Yeah, he was just, just defeated, defeated, so that doesn't spell good news for the uh, Got Truckers Act, huh?
2: Uh, No, it doesn't. But we have come up with another plan based on what our company drivers, at a meeting they had about a month ago, um, we have devised a plan. Rather than use that, go national with it, which is unlikely for it to pass, we're going to work locally, state by state. And we've already picked the first state. And we say, don't end the exemption for overtime only for truck drivers ended for agricultural and restaurant workers also, the other two categories of workers that are not covered by the overtime Mm provision. We have natural allies among restaurant workers and agricultural workers and their organizations in some cases to battle for that. And we've already chosen quite a red state, I might add, but it's also the birthplace of Truckers Movement for Justice, North Carolina.
1: A lot of people today are still surprised to find out that truck drivers, A, aren't paid by the hour and also don't earn overtime.
2: They are. And they've been extremely surprised. We've had um, many, many people come out and say, this is ridiculous. Without you, we have no economy. You're right. Absolutely. The cream for the truck stops comes on on, on a truck. So if the truck doesn't get there, there's no cream. Or if the cream didn't get shipped in a tanker truck to... The processing plant the dairy the dairy plant there's no milk this is all artificial it's designed to increase prices i hear truck drivers say biden got in and fuel prices went up wrong secretly in london bp one of the major refiners and owners of oil leases worldwide instructed its traders to bid up futures And overnight, the company profited millions, if not tens of millions. I don't remember what Bloomberg News reported. And then the head of BP showed up in Davros, Switzerland, for the secret meeting that takes place every year among all of the world corporate leaders and government leaders, um, walking around like as happy as a pig in slop, because he had just taken care of prices. And all of a sudden, diesel and gas went through the roof. These corporations owe no allegiance to anyone except their shareholders. They don't give a damn. And we're still saddled with 5 and $6 a gallon fuel and gas. We blame the government for that? Hell no. I blame the government for having no guts to take these companies down. That's what I blame them for. You ain't got the guts.
1: Well, I, I, I think getting involved in a war in Russia also uh, helped raise the prices a little bit. In
2: Ukraine, <laughs> the invasion of Ukraine by Russia did help also to an extent. But it had already been done. Oil pri- oil prices today were set months ago on the futures market. Um, oil prices next week have already been set, not by you and me, not by Biden and Boris Johnson, by the corporations that own the oil and they have the plans to refine it.
1: Well, that's actually not true. If you want a good example of that, look at Philadelphia. Um, you just go over the, um, the Platte Bridge over there. The giant... Uh, was it Sunoco? There's a Sunoco ref- refinery out there, and they've been flattening that place for the last two years. You go every time you go over that bridge, there's a brand or not brand new, but there's a one tank after another that's just been de- decommissioned and bulldozed. Um, if you follow Patrick Dehan on Twitter, the guy that runs GasBuddy.com, he's really good at like getting down to like the nitty gritty of refining capacity over the last 15 years has gone down in the country. So no matter how much oil we're pumping up out of the ground, we don't have as much capacity to turn it into the products we need that we used to. That's a major contributing factor to the rise of prices but right But that's
2: now. not government. That's corporate.
1: Well, they're following the lead of what government's telling them to do because the government has been saying, look, we're, we're going to be transitioning away from fossil fuels into green energies. So get with the program. You have ESG being jammed on everybody's throat. So it, it all it all works in hand in hand making a mess for everything
2: i might agree with that but there's no reason why back in the day when we had our trucking cooperative um a decade or so ago we ran our trucks on vegetable oil and our trucks well my tanker went from six miles to the gallon fully loaded to 12 miles to the gallon fully loaded on vegetable oil engine purred like a kitten and she was a 92 fld
1: yeah, there's uh, there's a couple couple companies out there that are trying to do that now too,
2: and there are and there they can have success. Um, I'm not saying that's the be all end all answer on that issue, but there are always ideas and alternative technology that can be utilized um, to prevent climate change from being any more wicked than it has been, all right, or quite possibly could be. Um, you know, I I just feel very strongly. That it's not one way or the other. What happened to the what happened to the other way? The um, it's kind of like is it my truth and your truth, or is it a little bit of both? And usually it's a little bit of both, uh, because neither of us is always correct, except when we talk about the shit way trucking has gone. In which case, (laughs) then we're definitely both correct.
1: I want to find the person who agree or who disagrees with that. That that guy's living. uh, I want to know what that guy's smoking.
2: Um, I hope he's selling it because he's probably already a (laughs) billionaire. And I can tell you, um, I would say some of the carrier represent representatives would indicate that. I mean, the way most people go into trucking is because they say they hear a story about hundred thousand dollar a year salaries until they find out. Did. Yeah, I mean, how about thirty five thousand? Yeah. How
0: about thirty five? Thirty five, if you lucky. And for and for me, that that? that that works. How
2: about that? How about staying away? May, from may, your maybe 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 twenty two f-
0: maybe twenty two five if you're doing dedicated work because you know yeah, that dedicated uh, accounts they consider home time as a benefit.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, let's let's get on with the let's get on with 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 the show. I'm going to have to leave you all soon. I hope all you right. don't mind, but.
1: No, not at um, all. It's been an hour, and you've been more than generous with your time.
2: Well, we appreciate your having us on here, and we look forward to maybe talking again in the future. And I'll leave Absolutely. you with one parting remark. Ports of America, Ports of America, Chesapeake, as we say, pack, you're going to pay. And once again, a shout-out to our, our, our family in Baltimore. I'll see you on Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., and this will be the first in a series of strikes.
1: Awesome. So if I'm a truck driver out there and I want to get involved with this, what's the best way to uh, look up where you guys are at?
2: Look us up through our email address, which is solidarity0501 at gmail.com, or give us a shout um, on Facebook. You've got both a public page and a not public page. Um, You can look it up or give us a call, 845-768-0416.
1: And what page is that so they can look for it? Truckers Movement for Justice.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Back Truck Podcast, Powerboat OTR
1: Solutions.
0: And we are uh, going to be doing a little bit of a road trip next week. Uh, we're actually going to OTR Solutions to uh, meet with our sponsors and uh, uh, chew the cud with those guys of setting up a new business of uh, what product service OTR Solutions provides. Because, you know, if you come in the truck and you want to do it legitimately, there's a lot of hoops jump through. It's just not going down to dmv and getting the cdo license test done anymore it's a, you're not just a truck driver you're a businessman also so with that i'm james bowen aka rooster that was justin mark martin the super trucker and we are out of here